Engaging Leader, Episode 219, How Women Leaders Can Master a Remote Work Environment, featuring Charlene Walters. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at workforcecommunication.com. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. We've entered a new era with more people than ever working remotely, especially from home. That's affected all of us, men and women, in positive and negative ways. But it seems to present some special challenges for women leaders and female entrepreneurs. And to help us unpack that, I'm pleased to be joined by Charlene Walters, MBA, PhD. This is the second of a two-part interview. We're talking about tips from her new book, Launch Your Inner Entrepreneur, 10 Mindset Shifts for Women to Take Action, Unleash Creativity, and achieve financial success. Our focus is on women leaders and female entrepreneurs. But I found myself in this conversation with Charlene just finding so much that's been helpful to me in my own leadership and business. So I think our listeners, men and women alike, will find this really helpful. We'll be talking about how to master a work, how to master a remote work environment and balance it with your leadership. We'll be sharing some tips for leading a remote team and especially how to foster engagement and loyalty in a virtual environment. Charlene Walters, MBA, PhD, is an entrepreneurial coach, business and branding mentor, author, and trainer. She developed a digital entrepreneurship MBA program, has taught hundreds of business and marketing courses at a number of universities, and has led workshops for Entrepreneur Magazine's Insider Platform and other companies. Mastering a remote work environment, especially as a female leader and entrepreneur, It's a very timely topic, and Charlene Walters has a ton of very useful and helpful information, as well as her own experience to share about it. So we're in a new era these days, many, many people working from home. Does leading a remote team present any specific challenges for women? So we saw last year that you know, there were so many people who left the workforce and 80% of them were women, which is huge. And that was for a lot of reasons, you know, they were more impacted by furloughs, by layoffs, and a lot of them also by the additional responsibilities in terms of homeschooling, everything that they had to do. So it can be more challenging for women working remotely in terms of, you know, just taking care of those additional household responsibilities that they have. I have been working remotely for years, even before the pandemic. So I know what that's like when my kids were really young and I'm trying to have a conference call and they're running in and screaming, (laughs) something's going on in the other room. So it is a lot. And, you know, when women are, you know, they feel really this calling, of course, to take care of their family. And not to say that there aren't men who are doing the same thing, because I know there are. And I know plenty of men contribute. It's not to say that at all. But often, you know, a lot of the bowl can fall on women. So they have to juggle all this. So it can be really challenging for them to juggle, you know, being a business owner, being, you know, a leader, and then also trying to be the best mom and best head of their household they can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about my own experience, uh, working from home a lot over the years, even all the way back, like in the in the early, you know, around 2000 or so, when I would work from home um, at times, 
and which was very unusual at the time. And, or I mean, not, I don't know how unusual, but it's somewhat unusual. And how afraid I was to let the least little noise or thing, you know, the dog barking or kids doing something or, um, and, and, or even just allow, like, yeah, sometimes I'm just distracted by what's going on. I'm not giving, I'm not hundred percent focused. And I was always so afraid of like being exposed to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm with you. I felt the same way. You know, I felt like, oh, the doorbell's ringing. Oh, no, what do I do? You know, and someone's regressively ringing the doorbell or the kids are yelling and you did feel really bad. But I think the good good news about this pandemic, if there's any with everybody working from home, is that there's more tolerance now and people know what it's like. Yeah. You know, there used to be this negative stereotype that if you're working at home, you weren't really doing anything. People just assume that even though you and I know we were working really hard, <laughs> we were getting more done because we could be more productive at home. But there was that little bit of that negativity associated with it so we've come a long way in terms of remote work that's for sure yeah we have and when i've shared notes with women over the years it does seem that there's an area of bias there that um people were nicer to me about it as a guy like oh isn't that sweet he's working from home he's taking care of the kids and a lot more women i i think um, report getting negative feedback so there's been a little bit of a harder thing to overcome over the years. And hopefully this newer um, tolerance that we're able to have as a result of the pandemic kind of helps with that. I do. I've seen the same thing as well. And, and, you know, and that's just something that will kind of blend over time. But I think the pandemic has helped and it can help women, you know, in terms of just setting parameters. Like I think if you have open talk with your family saying, hey, you know, eight to five are my hours for work. I'll be in my office. Please try to, you know, keep the distractions down, whatever. But I'm dedicating six to eight to you and everything you need. And we'll have plenty of time for that. And I think if you can get your family on board as much as possible and, you know, and have that flexibility still, I think you can make it work. You know, if everybody knows where they stand and what's going on, because I know as a mom, there can be a perception that you're always working. And it's just because I'm home and they're seeing that everybody's working. So I, if I talk through and say, okay, we have plenty of time to do whatever you want later, you know, let's try to get them on board. And I think that's the best way. And again, you know, the more people are used to working from home, and I think this will continue on for years now. I think so many companies are more comfortable and realize that it's actually much better for the company to have remote workers. So if I paraphrase that back to you, boundaries, kind of getting clear for yourself what boundaries you're going to stick with and then communicating those as appropriate with your coworkers and your family goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. Because as a woman, if you're leading your company, you're also running your family, you can get burnt out. That business is your baby and you can overwork. You'll want to work all the time, particularly if you're working from home, a home office. And then you're also wanting to put everything you can into your family. So you have to really take care of yourself as part of this too. You know, you have to dedicate time, make sure you're getting enough sleep, you're eating, you're, you're working out, you're doing all those things for yourself too. Otherwise you won't be successful in any area of your life. So you really have to put yourself first, which can be really challenging also for women. Do you, have you found, I'm, I'm sure this varies by person, but is there a, any sort of a daily rhythm or, um, you know, do you like, Hey, I work from, nine to five or eight to six or do you break things up more and say hey family we're gonna get to, if you, we're gonna get together 
at such and such, or this is my break period. Or... I generally have that sort of eight to five, six kind of thing going on, but I stop. And then there are days when I just, my head's not on whatever I want to do and I need a break. So I flex when that happens, or there's something going on with one of my kids. I have to run to the orthodontist or I have to, you know, run them to do their um, driver's ad or something. So then if that happens and I have to take a chunk out of my day, then I'll add it on somewhere else. So I, I think just being flexible is really important too. And this is both as an employee, as a business owner, as a manager, understand that people have multiple responsibilities pulling at them. And as long as you are getting everything done or they are getting everything done, it's all good, right? It doesn't have to be a set schedule. Yeah, so that we're sort of talking about as a leader, having this, this remote work environment. There's a, there's a we all know with the old work environment, on site had had aspects to it, but how do you master a remote work environment as a leader? Yeah, so I've been doing it, like I said, for years. So it's something I'm used to. I think it's about balance, really, like talking to your team, showing that you're actually working. I think sometimes there's this, you know, kind of misconception that out of sight, out of mind, they're not really doing anything. And if your team's not hearing from you, they might start thinking, well, I'm not, she's not working. I'm not working. So it's kind of making sure you have those um, points where you're touching base and you're communicating expectations. I have never been a huge fan of meetings. I don't like meetings. I think they just suck up time. They're a waste. So I'll try to solve as much as I can by email. But I do have a team meeting and I'm a big fan of every other week for the team. I think every week is a lot and I think every other week is great. And I think it actually, your team appreciates you more because they know you value their time, right? So just kind of, you know, touching base with them by email, whatever it is, just kind of putting yourself out there and telling them that you appreciate them and that you're here, what do they need? And I think the more you send that message repeatedly, they might not really need anything, but they just know you're always there for them should they need anything. And then just, you know, establishing those guardrails and those parameters really helps as well. Do you have expectations for your team, for them to be communicating and letting you know, like, what did they get done? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the team. In some cases, yes, you do need to know what they're doing. You need to check on progress and you need to tell them what your expectations are. If there's something in terms of performance that needs to be addressed, of course, you know, you let them know what you want them to improve on and when you expect it by. But I think that's all communication. And maybe there's an obstacle that's preventing that person from getting it done and you have to give them some additional resources or help. But I think, you know, you want to be not a micromanager, but you don't want to be too completely checked out either. So it's finding that balance, which can be challenging, but it's doable for sure. Yeah. So engagement and loyalty in this sort of a virtual remote environment, uh, kind of challenging. Do you have any leadership tips for that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard sometimes to feel engaged in a remote environment because you're not seeing people all the time. But what I like to do is, you know, a lot of times companies will bring people together and they'll have this kind of meeting where they're, you know, talking to them about the company. They're trying to train them or do something. And it's really kind of focused on that. Instead, I like to really focus on team building, bonding activities, because I think they go a lot further. And, you know, I've done some where we went around the room, we talked about our experience at the company, our background, what we liked the most, and then we just shared stories with each other. And that really helps people get to know each other and bond with each other. 
And I've always, I don't know about you, but I've always hated like these individual awards. Like you give, this is the best <laughs> person on the team. And then everyone, you know, there's one happy person. Then there's 20 other people who are sort of just mad. Like, oh, didn't, you know, didn't what I do count. So I like to like instead just go around and give like a token to everyone and talk about what I enjoy about that person, how they contribute to the team. And I think that just brings everybody together in such a more valuable way than singling one performer out to me. And I've always had a great experience with that. I'm always about the team, giving people the opportunity to talk. Because I'm sure you've been at meetings where people don't want to say anything. They're just kind of sitting there, you know. So I've had meetings where people are talking all the time. And I think that's really the way it should be. It should be about the team and not the individuals. Yeah, I like also, you, you mentioned having people share stories. So it, let's just say you're on a, a, a video conference with your team. Do you... Um, how, like, can you break that down a little in more detail? Would you give people a, a topic or just, hey, tell any story? And do you give everybody a chance to share a quick story or take turns? Yeah, I would give them a topic. Or one time I was at a meeting and I had everybody draw a picture about their experience. It was kind of, you know, old school. They took crayons and they drew a picture. Then they showed their picture and then they talked about what it meant and what they experienced and what they really liked. And I think the storytelling part, just kind of like their experience at the company. You know, we, we have big companies. We're all coming together. Maybe you're a startup leader and you have a small company. We don't really know each other's background. I mean, we work with each other, but it's nice to kind of hear where they came from and, and where, where they shine and where they excel and how they got involved with what they're doing. And I think the more you can get to know other people, the more you really appreciate them. So it can be really anything. I did like a s'mores activity once where we kind of, you can have a virtual campfire and you share these little stories around the campfire, whatever it is, you can get creative with it. But there are a lot of things you can do just, and just really with that goal of just making the team stronger. Yeah, that's great. So you like the idea of, of meetings every two weeks in terms of just a general um, check-in as a team. Obviously, if you got a project need, then you need to yes. get together quicker time. But, but making sure you come to come together once every two weeks, I, um, as opposed to weekly, or some people do it daily. Yeah. So that's an interesting cadence. And then having some recognizing the importance of some team building aspect that it's not all just get together and let's talk about work or what did you get done yesterday or anything like that. But how do we um, connect? at a human level. Definitely. I think it's really, really important. And I think as a leader, you have to be flexible and empathetic, especially now during the pandemic, people are going through so much, so much loss, so many responsibilities. A lot of people, although you and I have worked for home for years, this is like challenging <laughs> for many people. Yeah. You know, they're not used to it. They're not used to juggling the kids and the the loud noises and everything that they have. So just kind of understanding that and being flexible and just really focusing on accomplishments. And then, you know, checking in with individuals. People like individual check-ins too, as needed. Some people want to check in a little more than others. Some people are completely fine. I think it's just really matching what that employee wants and what's the best way to communicate with them. So a final question, and I, I want to ask about how people can find out more about you and your work, but um, mindset. Can you tell us about the importance of mindset in relation to success? Yeah. So I think, you know, everything you do in life is all about attitude, the success of anything. So taking action is part of it, like taking action of whether or not you want to become an entrepreneur, whether or not you want to go for that next big career move. So this all has to do with your mind, what we talked about, everything, confidence, imposter syndrome. So the more you can 
just talk yourself into doing things, taking action, putting yourself out there, being able to overcome obstacles and setbacks, the more likely you are to make it happen. I'm a big believer that anything, anything you want in life, you can make happen. It's just about persistence, having a plan, and then sticking with the plan, and then just regrouping when it doesn't go the way you want. So mindset is everything when it comes to success. Mm, that's good. <laughs> the book again is Launch Your Inner Entrepreneur, 10 Mindsets for Women to Take Action, Unleash Creativity, and achieve financial success. We've been talking with Charlene Walters. Charlene, where can people find out more about you and your work and get their hands on your book? Definitely. So the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere books are sold. You can find out more about me on my website, ownyourother.com or charlenewalters.com. Either one will take you to the same place. I'm also Twitter, C. Walters, PhD, Charlene Walters, PhD on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Happy to connect. And I'm so thrilled to be here with you today, Jesse. It's been so amazing. Fantastic. Hey, I got to Before I let you go, explain to me your website URL. What does that signify? The Own Your yeah. Other. So I wrote a little bit about a memoir about my experience when my husband passed away. And for me, it was really hard because I was in this world where I had a husband and two kids and we were just the traditional family. And I wanted to keep that. I didn't really want to identify as a single mom. You know, you've seen in the movies, there's sort of this negative image with single moms. They're out there, you know, kind of partying, not taking care of their kids sometimes. And I just thought, I'm not that, I'm not that. And it wasn't until I accepted my alternate situation that I really started to thrive. So that's what is meant by own your other. It means own your other path or whatever it is that didn't go the way you thought. I love that. Thank own you. Ownyourother.com. All right. Well, check it out, folks. Well, Charlene Walters, thanks so much for joining us on Engaging Leader. Thanks again, Jesse. I was happy to be here. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide the information and links that Charlene mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sides and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results. In several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Betsy Leahy, our production assistant, Jamie Barnes, Tom Hitchcock, and Jenny Kalenda from our social media team, JJ Leahy from our video and graphic design team, and Rick Tarrant, our announcer. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. <laughs>